Gracious God, we long to hear your voice. We long to reach out and touch your hands. We long to be united with you now and in eternity. We pray that your Holy Spirit might fall upon us and that might unite our hearts with you through the speaking of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> sort of waiting. Yadavan is waiting for my cough to be done. Um, anyway. Uh, so I was listening to a podcast this past week. It featured one of my favorite preachers, the Reverend Fleming Rutledge. Rutledge is an American Anglican priest who's written a lot of books, and her most recent is a collection of sermons and essays on the season of Advent, the season that we all are, of course, in. In the interview, she was at great pains, like me, at great pains, to remind listeners that Advent is not just the lead-up to Christmas or the birth of Christ, which it is, of course, on one hand, but it's also more. Advent is also meant to point us towards what's known as the second coming of Christ. In the Bible, there's this idea that the God who came in the stable in Bethlehem will also come again at the end of history in full glory. Not to simply to come and destroy us all, like many depictions of the second coming would have, but to complete the work begun in the first. The work of healing, justice, reconciliation, where all things in creation are set right. God dwells within creation, and creation dwells in God for eternity, the second coming. Which means that it's very important, Rutledge argues, to keep Advent distinct from Christmas. We should have the, you know, little bumper stickers that say, keep the Advent in Christmas. Um, anyway. Advent is a season not just about waiting for Christmas. Advent says that the world is not as it should be. And so Advent is a season of waiting, anticipation, and longing. Longing for healing. Longing for justice. Longing for reconciliation. Longing for a world set free, set right, made new by the sheer grace of the Creator. Advent is the season where we set our hearts in hopeful expectation, longing for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've heard that phrase before. So Advent is primarily about longing, about hope, waiting for God's future to arrive. The beautiful thing about Advent, though, is it's not a longing that we have to create or invent. It's a longing that's already planted within us. I was reminded this week, in preparing for my sermon of a book called Our Soul's Upward Yearning, 
by a contemporary Catholic writer, a Jesuit priest named Robert Spitzer. Spitzer writes a lot on the religious experience and often in dialogue with contemporary science. Check him out if, uh, if you haven't had the chance already. I can't really do his book full justice, but part of his book leads from our human experience of reality. He looks across cultures, across societies, across traditions, and in them he sees a universal seeking for truth. This sense that there's something ultimate to understand beyond the layers of simple human experience. He also sees a universal desire for love that is deep and unconditional, a longing to love and be loved, a longing to be completely with and a part of someone else's life. He also sees the universal longing for a complete and lasting justice that all things that are unfair, oppression, exploitation, poverty, environmental destruction, all of these might finally be put right. And finally, he sees the fact of beauty, like in nature that we experience in art, something that is something that stirs within us and it isn't entirely explainable. There's something in us that is set off by beauty and we're moved by it. Even as modern, rational, and scientific people, this still hangs on to us so deeply. So all of these things are inherent to human beings across time and cultures. So this means Advent draws on something that's deeply rooted within us. It's already inside of us. Part of being human is to yearn and to long for these things that we glimpse, but we don't see in total perfection. We only see them in fragments scattered throughout life. The unfortunate thing about living in the modern world, though, is that we have cell phones. No. The only, the unfortunate thing about living in the modern world is that we don't really have a way to understand or talk about these things anymore. For us, everything is reducible to what we can see, to what we can examine. These longings are intuitive, means that they're sort of emotive, they're feeling-based, they're felt and known in the gut and in the heart. But in our modern mindset, this longing in us can be understood only at best as something psychological, something happening in our brains that we've invented to maintain our sanity in an uncontrollable world. Or we can maybe see them as biological, as an evolutionary adaptation that's helped us, that's emerged slowly to help us survive the simple fact of living. We just don't really have a way to talk about these yearnings and longings in us now that our language has been stripped of the transcendent and the divine. Fortunately for you, though, fortunately for us, 
ancient traditions come at these things differently. Being Christian, of course, Spitzer says that these deep longings within us are real. They're real, and they're ultimately a longing for God. He calls these upward yearnings, so yearnings for the transcendent, clues to our transcendent nature, clues to something within us that longs for the divine. Each of these things, our hunger for truth, our desire for justice, our need for love, the fact that beauty gets us all jazzed up. These are clues to something inherent in us that is reaching out towards something real. And of course, the something real, the transcendent, ultimate reality, is what Christians call God. We were created for relationship with the divine. And these longings in us are actually our own souls, our own hearts reaching out towards God, reaching out towards eternity. And here Spitzer echoes one of the earliest Christian writers, St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo. Augustine's teaching is summarized in his great prayer that goes like this. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Like Spitzer, he says that our hearts have a built-in longing, a propensity for searching and seeking. And it's because we're created this way by God. Our inner restlessness is real, and it can only come to rest it can only come to fulfillment in relationship with God. So Advent not only speaks to our deep longings as human beings, it points to the fact that our deep longings can only be truly met by the presence of the Creator, the one who put the longing in us in the first place the coming together of human and the divine, the coming together of spirit and our own flesh, which is what happens at Christmas. Which finally brings me to today's scripture passage. You might say, well, it took him a long time to get there. It's a long journey, but we're here. Because today's scripture passage describes a moment, an encounter where these deep longings in us are met. If only for an instant. You'll remember last week, Mary, the mother of Jesus, received an angelic visit. One where she was told she'd become pregnant, she'd have a son named Jesus. And she was told that Jesus would be the Messiah. Jesus would be God's anointed one which really means the one sent by God to set the world right. Really, he's the answer not only to the longings of his own people, but he's pictured as the answer to the longings of the whole world in its suffering and its brokenness. 
So Mary carries within her the seed of this beautiful future, the seed of Emmanuel, God with us, coming to set the world right. It's only in infancy, in Mary's womb, but it's on the way. And so Mary, carrying God within her, the first thing she does is run from her home back in Galilee all the way, it says, to the house of Zechariah. And Zechariah, who's a priest, lives in his house with his wife, Elizabeth. The thing about Elizabeth, as you heard before, thanks to the children, is that she's also pregnant. And like Mary, it was announced with an angelic visit. For her, though, the angel said she would give birth to a child named John, and that John would be, she says, the angel says, filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he was born. And that this child would, the angel says, prepare the way of the Lord. This child would make way for God to touch down in Elizabeth, and in the world. And so see what happens when Mary comes knocking with God in her belly. Before she's even in the house, she calls out a greeting. We don't actually know what she says. It could be hi, it could be hey, or if you're from Alberta like me, it could be howdy. We don't know what it is. We don't know what the greeting is. But watch what the greeting does to Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, it says, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound, in your greeting, a sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Babies can be in wombs or out of wombs, and they can respond to words and sermons very clearly. So Mary carries Christ within her, the promise of a world made right. And as soon as she's near, just even before she's over the threshold, the baby within Elizabeth recognizes his presence. It gives a kick. It does a flip. And then, Mary, then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She's filled with joy and gratitude, and she immediately names the presence of the Lord in their midst. This passage describes a moment and encounter where these deep upward longings in us are met. The child within Elizabeth is this God-given indicator. God has prepared the way in Elizabeth, and when Christ comes near, fullness of life is activated in her. And like Elizabeth, God has prepared the way in us. God has put these upward longings within us, ones that reach out, and when we sense the presence of God, when God reaches out to us, the seed within us reaches back in recognition. It points and it says, there, look there. Somebody said that this is, you know, 
John gives Jesus fetal testimony. He's the one. That's the guy. Like the kick of a baby, we have this thing in us that reaches out and says, yes, look, there. We know what we want. We know what we need. And I mean, notice how it's all activated by the sound of Mary's voice. Because God always seems to come to us through the physical reality of things. God reaches out to us through the world. There's no other way. Christ comes to Elizabeth in Mary's flesh, and Elizabeth encounters him through the sound of Mary's voice. God's reaching out to us seems to come most often by hearing and by sound. It's no wonder that, say, music can be one of those things that stirs our souls the most, comes in through the ear. Because music usually speaks to those deep longings in us for truth, justice, beauty, joy. Or it could be storytelling. Or who knows? Maybe even sermons. I mean, there's a reason why the Christian tradition emphasizes the word. The Gospel of John calls Jesus the word made flesh. God's self-communication to us. You could say here that the something about Mary this week is that Mary represents the church in its simple carrying of the word within it to the world. Reaching, teaching, preaching, because we believe that within us there's this built-in longing. God has prepared the way in each of us, and so God uses our words to reach out to souls that are already reaching towards God. And we believe that when the two meet, it's like electricity. It's like Elizabeth singing for joy. We feel that baby kick. We come to know the joy, the ecstasy of the Holy Spirit. When our upward yearnings are met with God's eternal love, truth, and justice, we experience a moment, a foretaste of that final wholeness of Christmas, the one that our Advent longings point us to and always grasp towards. We're reaching out to God, and God is reaching out to us. So, dear friends, know this season that Advent is the season of waiting, hoping, and watching. It's a longing that already resides in us. A yearning for all things, those broken things within us and the brokenness of the world to finally be healed and to be set right for good. And the good news of the gospel, the good news of Christmas is that these longings, these feelings, these intuitions, these little baby kicks and deep feelings of joy. The good news is that all of these things are true. Our Advent longings are real. They point us to, they reach towards the goodness of our Creator who promises us one day peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners 
reconciled. This Advent, may you hear this good news. Mary's simple greeting that carries in it the presence of Christ. And when you feel the kick within you, may you be filled with the Holy Spirit and come to experience the true joy of the fulfillment of your inner longings. Know that, know not only that God has come near to you and that God's kingdom is at hand, but know that these things will finally come about for good, now and forever. For this, thanks be to God. Amen.